The views and opinions expressed on this show are purely the views and opinions of the person who made them and do not necessarily reflect or agree with those of the show's commercial sponsors, its radio station affiliates, or internet broadcast platforms. As the restriction on our God-given right to free speech manifests itself throughout the world, we are inspired by Jesus Christ's immortal words, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we reserve the rights to all our words. Thank you, and now enjoy the show. Who will so for you? Simply find out if you are not allowed to criticize. You are listening to ACH. I am your host. And before we start today's show, I have a couple of announcements. Firstly, I would like to thank Brian and Mary for their recent donations. Thank you so much for helping to keep this show on the air. And I would also like to ask for, ask for prayers for Republic Broadcasting Network Steve Elkins. This is his regular slot on a monthly basis, but unfortunately he is in quite some pain with kidney stones, which is why he's not been able to do his RBN shows of late. And um, he wanted to do this show, but because of his condition, it's really uh, troubling him a great deal. So I did say that I would pray for him. I have prayed for him. And for those of you with faith, please do so also. But that being said, I'm delighted that my dear friend Dr. Peter Hammond has agreed to do a second show for us this week. So he was only on yesterday. He's now on on Friday as well. So let's bring him up right now. Peter, are you with us? I'm with you. Yes. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you so much, Peter. And what we've got for you today is the real story of Halloween's promotion of witchcraft. So where would you like to start us off with this topic today, Peter? Andrew, we are heading towards 31 October, which many people see as the most important thing being Halloween. In fact, I was uh, invited to a Christian school some time back, and I was wanting to speak about Reformation Day, you know, when Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses and Church Dawn Wittenberg. And so I said, what is important about 31 October? And it's like the whole class screamed in unison, Halloween! Well, that was not the answer I was looking for, but it was instructive <laughs> that uh, here's a group of children. Uh, in this occasion, this was in America, and uh, uh, it was, oh, sigh. Um, Halloween is a pretty big holiday over there. In fact, I don't know if you've ever been in America in uh, late October, but it's extraordinary, the amount of front yards, and not just of homes, sometimes of churches too, that have got witches and goblins and vampires and ghosts and tombstones and skeletons and vampires and just spider webs, giant spider webs and zombies and witches on their broomsticks and just no end of macabre stuff. And of course, jack-o'-lanterns and skulls and many things like that. So also I've come across churches advertising special Halloween uh, horror emphasis and youth 
groups on on Halloween uh, dealing with uh, one of the titles was Nightmare. You know, gee, just the place I want to take my kids, Nightmare, at the local church youth group on a Friday night or something. And they, they've got what they call live interactive shows, spooky sounds, atmospheric lighting and hair raising effects. And uh, uh, the, this this was just one of these um, churches uh, that, that was offering this. Well, the question is, should we be celebrating Halloween. Halloween is a major commercial event. In fact, in America, it's the second largest holiday in the year in terms of commercial spin-offs, uh, me, meaning, of course, the selling of the confectionery. And when we're talking of not just the sweets that they're meant to be giving to people to do trick-and-treating around there, but many of the, uh, and of course, the dressing up uh, gowns and the decorations for the yards, uh, it's it's quite big. So it's, it's uh, apparently trying to rival Christmas as the biggest holiday of the year. It's got a long way to go, but nevertheless, it's the second largest holiday of the year, commercially speaking. Well, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 21-22, test all things, abstain from every form of evil. And so we should be cautious. And just because something is popular, there's no reason to accept it. You know, everyone's doing it is, is hardly a good argument for a Christian because we're told that the whole world is in the grip of the evil one. We're told that the whole world is being deceived by Satan. We have many warnings in the Bible, do not be deceived. And uh, we're told that at the end time, Jesus will send a an angel who will bind Satan that he might deceive the nations no more. So evidently, nations are being deceived today. If we find ourselves in general agreement with the world, such as the World Council Churches, the United Nations, the EU, uh, NATO, uh, Hollywood, uh, then we must know that we're being deceived. I mean, the the um, brainwashing broadcasting corporation and the communist news network and sly magazine useless news and world reports and sunday crimes uh, these are generally not echoing a biblical christian worldview but in fact the very opposite and uh, if they're promoting halloween that's not a good reason to accept halloween that's a good reason for you to take a good look at well what's the historic background to halloween and um what's its origin what happens on halloween and should we we participate in these celebrations. And, of course, most importantly, uh, what is Reformation Day all about? And uh, why would we not be wanting to celebrate Reformation Day instead of Halloween in our churches? Well, Halloween is a religious day, but it's not Christian. Uh, Tom Sangert, a uh, former high priest in Wicca, said, the modern holiday that we call Halloween, or All Hallows' Eve, has its origins in the full moon closest to November the 1st, the Witch's New Year. And it was a time when the spirits or demons were supposed to be at their peak power and revisiting planet Earth. Halloween is purely and absolutely evil. Um, that's what uh, this former uh, Satanist high priest had to say, um, high priest in Wicca. And he said that uh, uh, Halloween has strong roots in paganism and witchcraft. It began as the Druid Festival of Champagne. And that's historically is so. The Celts of, of Britain considered November the 1st as the day of death because in the Northern Hemisphere, it's the beginning of winter, the leaves are falling, it's getting darker earlier, the temperatures are dropping. So they believed that their sun god was losing strength and Shamhain, the lord of death, was overpowering the sun god. So the Druids also taught that on the 31st of October, on the eve of the feast, Shamhain assembled the spirits of all who had died during the previous year. And returned to their former home to visit the living. This, of course, was pretty scary for many people. So on Halloween, for thousands of years, 
Druid priests have conducted diabolical worship ceremonies where there are human sacrifices, animal sacrifices, child sacrifices, cats and horses and sheep and oxen and human beings and other offerings would be rounded up on the 31st of October and stuffed into wicked cages and burned to death. And these human animal sacrifices were apparently required to appease Shamhain and keep the spirits from harming, uh, harming them. So to obtain these sacrifices, the Druid priest will go from house to house, farm to farm, manor to manor, and ask for fatted calves, black sheep, and human beings, maybe the youngest in the family, maybe your daughter. And those who gave the treat were promised prosperity. Those who refused to give were threatened and cursed. So this is the origin of trick or treat. And the jack-o'-lantern has its origin the candlelit pumpkin or the skull, which served as a signal to mark those farms or homes that supported the Druid's religion, and therefore they were seeking the treat when the terror of Halloween began. So having a lighted skull or uh, putting a um, hollowed-out pumpkin uh, shell with inside a candle, um, and it looks kind of eerie because it's, it's reddish, and so you've got this light coming through, and it looks like a human skull, the way that they um, carve it. And this was the symbol of we stand with the Druids. We are seeking the tr- treat, um, and therefore we will give you, when you come here, um, a um, um, whatever they wanted, whether it's a black cat or a black sheep or a calf or, or a firstborn child. The World Book Encyclopedia says the apparently harmless lighted pumpkin face of a jack-o'-lantern is an ancient symbol of a damned soul. It kind of looks like that too. And, uh, you know, I don't know why one would want to identify with things like this. Basically, it's almost like an invitation to demonic forces coming to your home when you put out things associated with the occult. So while people and animals were screaming in agony, being burned to death, the druids and their followers would dress in costumes made of animal skins and animal, animal heads, you know, looking very much like some of these Indian... Uh, witch doctors prancing around with uh, maybe a wolf's head and skin over them. They would dance and they would chant and they'd jump through the flames in the hope of warding off evil spirits. I mean, this is where it it, uh, comes from, this idea of going through the smoke or through the flames. One of the popular heroes of Halloween, actually, Count Dracula, was a real person, and I discovered this going to Romania. Uh, The Romanians don't think Count Dracula is a joke at all. He's a historical figure. Dracula lived from 1431 to 1476, in the Transylvanian mountains in what today is Romania. And during a six-year reign, Count Dracula massacred over 100,000 men, women, and children in the most hideous ways. He was called Vlad the Impaler for a reason. He used to impale people on on his spears and have them, uh, you know, writhing there in agony uh, for some time and left the bodies up decomposing to terrify people. He devised a plan to rid his country of the burden of beggars and of the handicapped and the sick and the aged, the homeless, by inviting them to a feast in one of his palaces in Romania, in the Transylvanian mountains. And he fed them well and he got them drunk. Then Dracula asked these homeless people, do you want to be without cares, lacking nothing in the world? And when his guests yelled, yes, Dracula ordered the palace boarded up, the whole place set on fire, and no one escaped. This was the original House of Horrors. And it's a bit macabre, but if you go to MGM Studios in uh, Florida these days, they have a house of horrors for you to go in. And um, uh, I don't know what's funny about that, but funny how they can trivialize something that was actually quite traumatic. 
Uh, the Romanians certainly don't think it's funny. So Halloween really is uh, about uh, a whole lot of um, celebrations of death and cruelty and witchcraft. And it's interesting to notice that just about every culture has something like this. You know, the Celts, of course, um, had their Shamhain and uh, in Mexico and South America, you can see they, they have their serpent skirt, um, Mictaltukl or Kotikl, um, and uh, it, it's um, also their Lord of Death. And the Hindus have uh, Durga and uh, Kali, um, uh, also with a skirt made of, of, of men's hands and with a uh, necklace made of men's skulls. Um, uh, you can see amongst the Egyptians, they had Hathor and the golden calf and um, amongst many in Mexico and South America, they've got Santa Morte or Saint Death. And so why is it that all over uh, the world, uh, whether you're talking about China or Indonesia or South America or Mexico, um, there are something similar to uh, Halloween, uh, Days of Death and so on, or Day of the Dead. Well, interesting, some um, archaeologists and scientists in Answer and Genesis believe that the reason is that this grew out after the flood. It must have been because it's worldwide. And so uh, what's believed is that the origin of these days of the dead came from after the flood. Of course, there were just eight human survivors, uh, thousands of animals, but only eight people were in the ark. And of course, Noah was so depressed. You can imagine so many of their friends and family and neighbors had died. Uh, the world would have been filled with um, uh, corpses and decomposing corpses and skeletons after a year of the flood. And, um, and the waters receding, you can imagine it must have been quite depressing. They were the only eight people left on the planet, and millions had died. And uh, this this would have been quite depressing. So they believe that the Day of the Dead might have began as a remembrance of those who died in the flood. And um, that, of course, it would have gotten corrupted over the years as people uh, degenerated into polytheism and paganism and animism. Uh, and so it takes different forms around the world. But so what we're seeing in Halloween is, is a very ancient tradition. It's it's in every culture and uh, all over the world um, in every language group and, and race and tribe and, and tongue. So uh, that should make us quite concerned because Satan's greatest weapon is man's ignorance of God's word. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. We need to understand the times and we need to know what the word of God says. Well, the Bible makes it clear in, in Jeremiah, uh, where we are in, um, and not in Jeremiah, but Deuteronomy 18, that when you come into the land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found any among you who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire. And of course, that's what the ancient religions did. They sacrificed their firstborn child normally to the, the idols of either Moloch or Baal or Cronus, uh, uh, Ashtoreth, and uh, they literally passed through the fire. And yet today you've got people leaping over the flames and leaping through the smoke, um, thinking it's all very funny as, as part of uh, Halloween celebrations. Well, I'm still reading from Deuteronomy 18. There shall not be amongst you anyone who practices witchcraft or a soothsayer or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. 
You shall be blameless before the Lord your God for these nations which you will dispossess. They listen to soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. That's Deuteronomy 18, verse 9 to 14. We're told in Ezekiel 34, verse 23, teach my people the difference between the holy and the unholy, between the, the um, uh, clean and the unclean. Cause them to discern between the clean and the unclean. That's Ezekiel 34, verse 23. Hosea 4, verse 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priests for me. Because you've forgotten the law of your God. I will also forget your children. And that's terrifying. That, as, as a father of four children and as a uh, grandfather of three grandsons, um, I'm, I'm uh, very intimidated by the idea that, that I could cause any grief for my children uh, through lack of knowledge or disobedience to God's word. So what are we to do when so many children, grandchildren want to celebrate Halloween? Well, Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. Then when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so we are commanded, Matthew 18, 67, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone was hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come, but woe to the man by whom that offense comes. That's all in Matthew 18. We're commanded that love must be without hypocrisy. We're to abhor what is evil and we're to cling to what is good. Romans 12, verse 9. Romans 13, verse 12. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. We're in a spiritual world war. So 1 Corinthians 10, 21 says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion is light with darkness? What accord is Christ with Belial? What part is a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement is the temple of God with idols? Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you, says the Lord. That's all from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We're told in Ephesians 5 verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. In Philippians 4, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Well, Philippians 4 verse 8 says, advising the very opposite of what we're doing if we get into Halloween, because Halloween is not true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous or praiseworthy. And that is what we should be seeing to focus on, those things that are true and noble and just and pure and lovely, of good report, of virtuous and, and praiseworthy. But 1 Timothy 4 tells us now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith and give Heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. And so we are in that time. We can see a lot of people really welcoming and deceiving spirits and, and doctrines of demons. James 4 verse 7 says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We are in a spiritual world war. Pure and undefiled religion before God and our Father is this 
to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. That's in James 1.27. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does what is good is of God. Who does what is evil has not seen God. That's in 3 John 11. And so when you look at Halloween, it is in many cases imitating what is evil. And that's not the way of blessing. So instead of participating in paganism or walking with Wicca or being in harmony with Halloween or celebrating cruelty or dabbling in a day of death, we should rather focus on Reformation Day, this 31 October. Because it was on the 31st of October, 1517, that Dr. Martin Luther, Professor Luther, nailed the 95 theses or the 95 arguments against the superstitions and corruptions of the medieval Catholic Church. On the door of the Schlosskirche, the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany, he nailed these 95 theses in Latin as a challenge to the intellectual class. It was a university city after all. Well, Martin Luther's bold challenge against the unbiblical practices of the medieval Roman papacy, it inspired the Protestant Reformation. And all Bible-believing churches should celebrate the greatest revival of faith and freedom ever. And some people say, well, why do I care what happened over 500 years ago on 31 October? I mean, what's it got to do with me? Well, do you like having the Bible available in your own language? If so, thank the Reformation. It was illegal before that time. Martin Luther gave us the Bible freely available in our own language. Do you like the idea of hearing a church service in your own language instead of in Latin? If so, thank the Reformation. Because before the time of Martin Luther, all services were in Latin. And you would come and you would hear a Latin mass. And if you didn't understand Latin tough, there was no such thing as service in contemporary languages. If you like that, you have singing hymns in a church in your own language. You can thank the Reformation because before the Reformation, you didn't go to church to sing. We went to church to listen to a choir singing in Latin. Uh, so if you like hymns and choruses and songs in your own language, um, uh, you can thank Martin Luther and the Reformers. If you like the idea of sitting down at church as opposed to standing the whole time, you can thank the Reformation. Before the Reformation, there were no pews in church. People stood the whole way through the service. The only one who could sit down would be the bishop, really. Had, uh, he had the big chair and maybe members of the choir. Uh, but... Uh, the members of the church came and, and stood in church, unless they brought their own stool. And so some might have brought a stool, propped it up in the corner, but they had to take it away with them. That wasn't um, anything provided by the church. So uh, it was the reformers who invented the idea of pews at church because they wanted people to sit down and pay attention to the sermon, which came in their own language, and that they could follow and uh, take notes. So they were encouraging people to bring their Bibles or notebooks and sit there and take notes and pay attention because the sermon uh, having a mind transformed by the reading of the word was really the central part of the service. It was no longer the mass, the sacrificial act, but it was having a mind renewed and preaching was now paramount. So there's a lot of things for us to celebrate. And the Reformation was launched on the five great solas. Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone is our ultimate authority. Sola Fide, salvation is received by faith alone. Sola Gracia, salvation is by the grace of God alone. Solus Christus. So Christ alone is head of the church, and Christ is the only way to God. He is the way, the truth, and life. And soli dia gloria. Everything should be done to the glory of God alone. So these are the great five solas that launched the Protestant Reformation that shattered the darkness. Post tenebras lux. That's the slogan of Geneva. After the darkness, light. Post tenebras lux. And you'll see that at the Great Reformation War Monument in Geneva. 
That's the slogan, that's the motto of the city of Geneva to this day. Well, the Reformation was one of the most important turning points in world history, and the energies that were released by the rediscovery of the Bible in the common language led to the most extraordinary spiritual revival in history. The Reformation freed the Christians of Northern Europe from the decadence of Renaissance paganism, and the Reformation led to the greatest freedoms and scientific discoveries in history. I believe every Bible-believing Christian, every evangelical born-again Christian should celebrate the Reformation. Certainly shouldn't be wasting our time with uh, uh, Halloween. So I don't believe any Christian should really want to have a part in celebrating occult or Halloween. We are in a spiritual world war. Do you know that on Halloween, on 31 October, cruelty to animals happens with greater frequency. Many people have to keep their black cats um, behind uh, closed doors and closed windows because black cats get kidnapped for animal sacrifices. There's great amounts of vandalism and murders occur with far greater frequency during Halloween. Uh, vandalizing people's cars and public property and school properties and smashing of windows and destruction, uh, wrecking and burning out of trains, uh, all of this. Uh, black cats are often targets uh, for because they're sought for, uh, for animal sacrifice. Many people keep their beautiful little black feline friends safe by keeping them indoors in the days leading up to Halloween. Every Halloween, there's thousands of animal sacrifices. Uh, and there's even many dozens of animal, human sacrifices, especially runaways and children who are hitchhiking. They get a lift in a van and they're never seen again. I mean, this has happened countless times, especially around late October. So many are sacrificed in satanic rituals worldwide. Do we want to identify with this and support it? And then there's millions of other people, millions, including well-meaning Christians, who participate in Halloween celebrations. And this this is kind of interesting because last night, um, well, let me go back a few days, um, I was asked on a Sunday night by a member of our Reformation Society if I could please deal with Halloween because we actually haven't in a few years and uh, the uh, amount of his friends, including Christians and churchgoers, who are planning to celebrate Halloween was very disturbing to him and he just asked, you know, could we tackle it again, which I thought, very good idea. We need to tackle it in radio. We need to send out emails. We need to have a Reformation Society focus on this. Very true. So I, I sent out an email and uh, I um, designed a little bit of an advert for it. So I posted this on, on Facebook um, last night. And by this morning, it was deleted and I was informed it went against community guidelines. Well, um, listen to this. This is, this is the advert. And by the way, the picture was just that beautiful painting of Martin Luther standing in front of the emperor and the um, princes of, of Europe, and making us, here I stand, I can do no other, my conscience kept the word of God's speech, uh, which um, is very inspiring. Well, that was the picture. The title was Halloween versus Reformation. And the text was, I mean, listen carefully to see if you can see why this violated community standards and need to be taken down. A beautiful historic painting of Martin Luther making us hear I stand my conscience kept the word of God's speech. The title, Halloween versus Reformation, and these questions. What is the origin of Halloween? What happens on Halloween? Should Christians be participating in Halloween celebrations? What else is October 31 famous for? Why is it important to celebrate the Reformation? What would be appropriate ways in which we could mark Reformation Day? Test all things, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every false form of evil. One Thessalonians 5 to 21 to 22. So that's what I had on the ad. 
violates community standards taken down off our Reformation 500 Facebook page. Isn't that strange? Well, I then went looking to see what has happened to, there were a bunch of groups that exposed Halloween and uh, I hate Halloween and we hate Halloween and couldn't find them. They're no longer on Facebook. But I did find masses of we love Halloween and I love Halloween and with tens of thousands of people um, having liked them. So there's some a lot of uh, dozens of um, pages uh, out there to celebrate Halloween, but they don't have a single one uh, that I could find having scoured to many pages uh, that is exposing Halloween. And when somebody advertises a local meeting on Halloween versus Reformation, it gets deplatformed and is declared against community standards. What community we would ask. So, you know, if we don't want our children to practice witchcraft or worship idols or kill people, why would we want them to have fantasies about such thing and encourage them to dress up as demons and witches and vampires and monsters and goblins and ghosts? And why would we do that? It's, it's, God describes this as an abomination in Deuteronomy 18. This is not something we should be seeking to follow. Something also important to remember is Halloween is a prime recruiting time for witches and Satanists. Many people have testified that they were introduced to the occult at a Halloween party. Now, you may say, well, I wasn't. Well, that's good. Uh, we'd hoped that most weren't. But but many people have been introduced to occult at a Halloween party. And some people testified that they first became demon-possessed from getting involved in occultism, which started at a Halloween party. So it is no joke. I mean, you may say, well, you know, what's odds? Well, do you really want to endanger your children and grandchildren um, by letting them go into this without any warning? Halloween is very religious. But it's not Christian. It's a pagan religion. And we're told to abstain from all the appearance of evil. 1 Thessalonians 5.22. Well, if it doesn't appear evil to you to dress up as vampires and, and monsters and uh, ghosts and so on, then it could be because you're lost. I mean, we must be born again. And why would we want to dress up in outfits that in many cases look quite demonic? Halloween is actually a satanic pagan holiday. And some people say that, that Halloween is actually Satan's birthday. Well, I have no idea about that, but uh, why would I want to be associated with somebody that claims to have so many links to uh, death, and uh, why would I not want to choose life? Sir Anton LaVey, who was the founder of the uh, First Church of Satan <laughs> in California, of course, Anton LaVey said, I'm glad Christian parents let their children worship the devil at least one night out of the year. Wow. I mean, who wants to be praised by a high priest of Satan, a founder of the Church of Satan in California. I'm glad that Christian parents let their children worship the devil one night of the year. And it's quite clear in 2 Corinthians 6, what communion has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And it's a good point. We're told to have no fellowship with devils. We're told in Romans 12, verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so I think it's important for us to celebrate the Reformation. And I've got an anecdote here. Uh, back in 1994, a frontline fellowship mission team was traveling into Angola on very inaccessible dirt roads, smuggling Bibles um, and medicines behind enemy lines to help beleaguered Christians of the Unita Freedom Fighters, the free Angolan areas. And while they were blockaded by the United Nations forces, it was it was quite a, a difficult and traumatic time. In fact, um, we lost uh, one of our workers, died in action, died in the service of Christ, uh, Anthony Duncan, during that very 
uh, time, uh, the end of 1994, ministering in Tangola, smuggling Bibles to Christians, persecuted and suffering there. Well, during that same uh, time, um, earlier on, at the end of October, one of our mission teams came to a very, very remote part of Kwando uh, Kabango province, what the Portuguese called the ends of the earth. And as they drove into this village, dusty village, remote village, very far from any civilization, they could hear a sound that they immediately recognized the sound, although they couldn't understand the words because people were singing Ovumbundu, the local tribal language. But they recognized the tune. It was Ein Festeberg ist unser Gott, a mighty fortress is our God. And uh, they were astounded to find the whole village was worshipping uh, Christ and, and they were celebrating the Reformation. And the school children had done a big banner, 31 October 1517. And in Latin, they had the solas of the Reformation, Sola Scriptura, Sola Gracia, Sola Fidi, Solus Christus, Soli Dio Gloria, uh, the great battle cries of the Reformation. And uh, they saw uh, the people gathering, and some people had done portraits, sketches, and so on of Martin Luther, Ulrich Zwingli, John Calvin, William Tyndale, some of these great reformers. And it was 31 October. And this Ovumbundu church in the uttermost parts of the earth, at what the Portuguese called the ends of the earth in Kwanda Kabunga province, they were celebrating Reformation Day. And, you know, we were encouraged and we were shamed and we felt embarrassed because. We weren't celebrating Reformation Day, even though we came from Cape Town with a great Christian heritage of hundreds of years here. And yet we weren't celebrating the Reformation. But here's this remote church in the ends of the earth in Kwanda Kabunga province in Angola, and they were celebrating the Reformation. They remembered the importance of 31 October. Well, that inspired us to start celebrating Reformation Day. And so ever since 1995, we've been celebrating Reformation Day every end of October. And um, we ultimately launched the Reformation Society and 95 Thieves for Reformation Day and so many other great things as a result of this inspiring example of these believers in Angola. And uh, I've got pictures of these Angolan believers with Bibles we delivered and I heard them saying, this is the greatest gift anyone could ever ask for, the Word of God in my own language. I've been praying day and night for five years for my very own copy of the Word of God. And what a joy to minister to those people. So... In Cape Town, we are not far from Frontschuk, and Frontschuk used to be called Ulifantschuk, um, Elephantschuk. And uh, back in 1688, hundreds of French Huguenots, refugees, Protestants from France who had fled the persecution of the Sun King, Louis XIV, who rev revoked the Edict of Nantes, which was the Edict of, of Toleration, which had been signed at the l last days of the 16th century, so in 1598, King Henry V, uh, after winning the wars um, uh, and became king of France, he uh, signed the Edict of Toleration, allowing people to um, be Protestants if they wanted, that recognize we all worship the same God and we must not um, persecute Protestants just for their conscience sake. Well, it was in 1685 that this edict was revoked by none other than Louis XIV, the Sun King who was a very wicked king who persecuted Protestants horribly. And tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of Huguenots actually fled to the Netherlands, to Britain, to Germany, to Prussia, uh, to the Americas and so on. Well, um, several hundred uh, came down to the Cape of Good Hope, which is where our mission has its headquarters. And they settled in Olifantsuk, Elefantsuk, which was just thorn bushes. And there they carved uh, out of it a civilization, some of the most beautiful wine farms, 
um, a great uh, farms that you can see anywhere on Frontrick and a beautiful monument uh, to uh, the Huguenot reformers. They've got a museum there. So every 31 October, we tend to go out to Frontrick and we celebrate at the Reformation Monument and Museum. We have a guided tour of the museum for uh, home educators in particular. And then we have a service at midday at the Huguenot Monument on 31 October, a Reformation celebration, uh, celebrating uh, all that the reformers stood for and calling ourselves back to the Bible. Well, um, it was not too many years later. I was on a major mission around Europe um, and uh, it was 2005 and I was invited first by Dr. Ian Paisley to minister in, in Northern Ireland, which was quite a surprise for me to get a letter on um, Palace of Westminster House of Commons letterhead. Uh, where uh, Dr. Ian Paisley, MP, was inviting me to come to Belfast and to preach the gospel there during the mission week. And uh, as a result, I made myself available to other contacts out in Europe. And before I knew it, I had a five-week, 11-country mission planned and uh, uh, Northern Ireland being one of my first stops. And what an experience. Well, towards the end of my uh, 2005 mission to Europe, and uh, it was a lot of meetings, um, I managed to minister in Wittenberg, Germany, and I was able to get to the Schlosskirche and the uh, Stadtkirche and to Luther House, and I saw the actual door where the 95 Theses had been nailed on, or the doorway, and uh, the pulpits Luther preached in, both the Stadtkirche and the, and the uh, Schlosskirche, the castle church and the, and the town church, and saw the Luther Museum, which is the biggest Reformation Museum in the world, amazing artifacts and phenomenal artwork, and uh, the Luther House, which was the original uh, university in Wittenberg and um, became Martin Luther's home when the university expanded. And some of the greatest collections of um, Bibles and Reformation artifacts, including the printing press, the reformer's friend, the tyrant's foe. Uh, Martin Luther really took that medium and, and uh, transformed the printing press into the reformer's friend, the tyrant's foe. And... Uh, as a result of this, and I also went to um, uh, Built House where uh, Ulrich Zwingli, the Swiss reformer, was born, and the, the house still stands 500 years later. What a tribute to phenomenal workmanship of the Swiss. And uh, to uh, Grossmünster, the great cathedral in Zurich where Ulrich Zwingli launched the, the Protestant Reformation in Switzerland, preaching from Matthew 1, verse 1, going line by line, verse by verse, through every book of the New Testament, and that launched expository preaching, 1517, 1519 this was, January the 1st, 1519. I went to the museum, and I saw the swords and helmet of Ulrich Zwingli and a flag he fought and died under, monuments to Ulrich Zwingli, went all the way through to Geneva. I was ministering and giving lectures at different places like the Geneva Bible Institute. And so I ended up in Geneva, and I saw... Um, the uh, great Saint Pierre or Saint Peter's, where John Calvin, John uh, Calvin preached, and uh, what a phenomenal ministry, and the Great Reformation War. And as I looked at the Reformation War, I could not help but notice, oh, interesting, uh, his birth was in 1509, and here I was in 2005, and I thought we're only three years from John Calvin's um, 500th birthday. And so I launched the idea of the Calvin 500, which ended up being a major event. It even got uh, acknowledged in Time magazine, front cover, 10 ideas which are changing the world right now. And Time magazine wasn't praising it. They were actually uh, uh, quite bemoaning it. They were quite unhappy. 
And they said Calvinism is one of the 10 great ideas that is changing the world today. And they noticed how so many churches are, are dying and so on, but not the Calvinists. The Calvinists are growing. And there's a, a return to this um, horrible doctrine of, of the reformers. And uh, uh, they were no friend of, of John Calvin, that's for sure. But they mentioned its dynamism and how Calvinism and uh, Reformation principles is growing worldwide. And uh, they particularly noted the Reformation 500 movement, which I was spearheading already from 2005. Well, people came from as far afield as South Africa, South Korea, all of America and Europe uh, to Geneva. And we had a phenomenal week there in St. Pierre celebrating 500 years of John Calvin. But the big one I knew that was coming was 1517. Uh, that was the big one. That, that was still a long way away. I mean, you know, 12 years, that seemed a, a lifetime at that stage in 2005. Um, and uh, I started the Reformation 500 and came back, started the Reformation Society. And we started every Thursday night Reformation Society meetings. And I was heavily convicted. I believed, yes, you know, um, there's so much in our churches that is not biblical, that is not right, that's not God-honoring. We need to be campaigning um, for a back-to-the-Bible reformation and uh, praying for spiritual revival. And so we started debating uh, in different churches and, and schools, like a debate with Catholics, organized major conferences for ministers and youth, uh, calling people uh, to Reformation. We had um, days of prayer and repentance, um, even organized a, an imprecatory prayer proclamation, which I delivered to the president of South Africa at that time, Tabum Becky, uh, calling him to repent and to um, institute legislation that would protect pre-born babies and the violence and justice of abortion. And that if he did not, we would pray uh, for his days in office to be few and for another to take his place. I basically, uh, I'm not prophetic. I was just... Um, um, basing this prayer proclamation on the imprecatory prayers prayed by John Knox in uh, Scotland against Bloody Mary, or um, Mary, Queen of Scots, I should say. Uh, Mary, uh, Queen of Scots, uh, was uh, Mary Stuart. She was uh, the tyrant of Scotland who said that she is more afraid of the prayers of John Knox than of an army of 10,000. And when you read John Knox's prayers against, <laughs> published prayers against uh, Mary, Queen of Scots, you can understand why she was afraid of those prayers. It wasn't exactly like Rick Warren's Lord Bless Obama kind of uh, uh, prayers at the inauguration of uh, that abomination uh, of a president. And so uh, we were amazed to see just a few months later, uh, Tarbin Becky removed from office in an unexpected coup from within, and he was replaced. Well, I actually symbolically pasted a um, 95 imprecatory uh, prayer proclamation on the big gates of parliament as well, on the main doors of parliament as, as such, and had interviews right outside the gates of Tonehouse, which is the president's office in downtown Cape Town, next to parliament, and called people to acknowledge the lordship of, our, uh, of Jesus Christ. We organized massive reformation and revival prayer meetings where hundreds gathered, even on the grass in front of union buildings, which is the um, executive uh, branch of government in Pretoria. And I had Reformation 500 events and conferences in Zambia, meeting with not only the head of state, the president, Levi uh, Mawanawasa, but also with Minister of Foreign Affairs, Minister of Home Affairs, Minister of uh, Information, Minister of Education. And in Zambia, we had many events calling people and pastors and teachers back to the principles of the Reformation. Uh, we were in the Congo running a Great Commission courses and Biblical Worldview Summits there as well. Uh, tremendous growth. And I was able to launch our new book, The Greatest Century of Reformation, at a 
conference of over 400 ministers in Switzerland. And these ministers came from all over Europe, even from as far field as Russia, Ukraine, and Romania. And uh, the call there was reformation or um, uh, Islamization, either reformation or Islamization. If Europe does not return to Christ and to the Bible and to the Protestant faith, um, then Europe could fall to Islam. And only Protestant Christianity, the real dynamic evangelical Protestant Christianity uh, that what we saw in the 16th century would be able to save Europe from the Islamization of the Islamic invasion Trojan horse of today. I published also Power of Prayer Handbook. My wife published Reforming Our Families. Uh, we launched uh, a fire movement, Fellowship for International Reformation and Evangelism, and lots of books, 95 Theses for Reformation Day, got it translated into German and Afrikaans and French and Flemish, and uh, organized Coalition on Revival uh, manuals. And uh, we invited also uh, the Euro Choir, a phenomenal choir of about 100 young people from all over Europe, uh, to come to South Africa to help us launch the Reformation 500. And, and we organized massive uh, campaigns, including at the Waterfront Amphitheater with people just crowding out the area to hear them singing the great hymns of the faith, like a mighty fortress is our God and amazing grace. People even joining in some of the hymns uh, of the shoppers and the tourists passing by. Uh, we had a Reformation 500 service with the Euro Choir in the oldest Protestant church in the Southern Hemisphere, uh, the uh, Strand Street Lutheran Church, which uh, is a really great historic church, um, something like 240 years old, this church. Uh, that may not sound a lot in Europe, but in, in Africa, that makes it the oldest operational Protestant church. Uh, so many great um, opportunities that we were able to mobilize Reformation, all as an alternative to this dabbling in death and celebrating cruelty uh, event of our uh, Halloween supporting friends. And so I think there's so much more we can do, so much more that's positive and practical and uh, constructive uh, that we can do in order to work for reformation and pray for revival. But yes, certainly Halloween, um, no, uh, reformation, yes. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. Um, just one quick thing I'll throw in. You mentioned Anton LaVey, founder of the Church of Satan. On October the 29th of 1997, Edmund de Rothschild died in Geneva. Interestingly, on exactly the same day, Anton LaVey, the founder of the Church of Satan, also died. And in his book, Satan Speaks... He stated the following in relation to the Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion. The first time I read the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, my, my instinctive reaction was, so what's wrong with that? Isn't that the way any master plan should work? Doesn't the public deserve, nay demand, such despotism? Now this Edmund de Rothschild, I've looked him up on Wikipedia, He's Edmund Adolf de Rothschild. And in the last section of the section uh, entitled Philanthropy, last paragraph, it reads as follows. Edmund de Rothschild's grandfather, Baron Edmund James de Rothschild, had set up the acquisition of lands in Ottoman Palestine for Jewish development in the 1800s. In the 1950s, 
Edmund de Rothschild, the guy who died the same day as Anton LaVey, donated the family's property to the new Israeli state. In 1953, he gave 7,500 acres of the town of Caesarea to the newly created Caesarea Rothschild Foundation, which was co-owned by the Israeli state. The foundation was tasked with the redistribution of Caesarea's profits to education programs in Israel. So I thought I'd just throw that in for you. Um, Before we go, uh, feel free to comment on that, Peter, but could you also mention a video that we will be including of you only done in the last two weeks so folks you're so used to hearing peter on this show every week but we've got a 14 minute video as well that i've watched it's uh, excellent and so uh, please uh, any comments on what i just said peter and then please tell us about the video (coughs) presentation yes of course i'm sure that the church of satan uh, as i quoted from anthony lavey they're delighted with halloween i mean to them it's it's their big year big day of the year and it's a major uh, evangelistic outreach for the church of satan really and uh, he acknowledges that the video that you're posting today is a eulogy to razan basaki um, i was asked by the family to give the eulogy at the service now Razan Basaki was born Razan Boerter. She is the daughter of President P.W. Boerter. And President P.W. Boerter was the last real Christian South African president of integrity. He was the last president of South Africa to call the country to a day of prayer and repentance, which he did on a number of occasions. And sadly, uh, he was ousted in 1989 uh, by an internal coup uh, from uh, the Brudebonders, basically, with, which is a secret society within the Afrikaans community affiliated with the Freemasons, sadly. But President P.W. Buddha was a dedicated evangelical, and uh, we know that from his bodyguard, his bodyguard, um, uh, who's Colonel uh, Skok Vaskaki, a good friend. I actually helped publish his book, uh, Under Fine South Africa, a few years ago. And, uh, well, he and Razan have been family friends for over three decades. I've, I've known Razan actually for um, 38 years. And uh, Razan, same age as my wife and I, she courageously battled cancer and chemo for 12 years, and she passed away in hospital Sunday the 2nd of October. And uh, uh, her 12 years of fighting chemo is almost uh, parallel to my wife, Lenora's. And uh, we are only about a couple of weeks away from my wife's. Um, the anniversary of my wife's death on 9th of of November, which is also symbolic to us because 9 November is when the Berlin Wall came down, which was one of the greatest experiences in our life. Her dad being dedicated to smuggling Bibles behind the Iron Curtain for so many uh, decades of his life. Well, um, Razan and her family, they've been such close friends. And so this short video, I think it's only about 12 or so minutes, um, is my tribute to Razan and uh, it's it's in their home church in downtown Cape Town, and um, uh, I think it's so important we remember the Boerter family and uh, the Vasaki family. They've gone through a lot. Uh, Razan herself uh, almost died at age 16 with a terrible car accident, which hospitalized her. Uh, she served in the South African Army as a volunteer as well. She's quite an amazing character, musician and all the rest. Uh, so well worth knowing about and remembering her, her uh, father as well, such a great man. And... Um, uh, also, Colonel Skalk Vaskaki, who had an incredible career serving on the border, fighting the communists. Uh, he was the chief intelligence investigator in the St. James Massacre and in the Plant Hollywood bombing in downtown Waterfront Cape Town. And he was 
ambushed by a professional hit squad of five assassins who poured fire into, he had something, 54 ve- uh, bullets pumped into his vehicle, and uh, uh, he still got a rifle bullet in his uh, uh, neck, uh, just the base of his skull, which they can't get out because it could paralyze him. And uh, he fully recovered by absolute uh, God's grace. So uh, that's some of uh, uh, what you can see in the uh, video that's attached to the show. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And uh, what we'll also do is we will dedicate today's show to the Bota and Vizagi families. So uh, as I say, folks, that um, that video is really something... I, I know Peter very well. He's one of my closest friends. Uh, but just seeing him speak and the way that he delivered uh, such a touching eulogy that was also full of interesting information as well. Uh, you're talking about the daughter of the last Christian president of South Africa. So I urge you to take the time to look at that. Before we go, Peter, please can you let the audience know where they can find your work and how they can contact you? Yes, certainly. Thank you. Uh, my personal email is peter at frontline.org.za. Peter at frontline.org.za. That's the email. And the website, www.frontlinemissionsa.org, frontlinemissionsa.org. We also have another website on reformationsa.org, and uh, you will find a lot of uh, great resources, uh, films recommended, uh, uh, PowerPoints, videos, um, audios, and so on, and practical steps you can take to Reformation, character studies on Martin Luther and other great reformers, and uh, some exposition on Halloween too. But we're more concerned about the positive that we can rebuild our society on. In Cape Town, every Thursday night, I lead a Reformation Society meeting where we uh, not only look at history, but what we can do now, contemporary, present, to work for Reformation nowadays. Thank you so much, Andrew. God bless. Thank you, Peter. God bless. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's show entitled The Real Story of Halloween's Promotion of Witchcraft. Peter and I will be back with you again next week. I'll be back with you tomorrow. And until then, folks, have a wonderful day. And bye for now.